Okay. Well, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this. Uh, <laughs> I hope to learn something. <laughs> I, I'm asking the questions. <laughs> That's right. So uh, as, as you just heard, we're here to talk about the self-healing supply chain um, and think about that, not just from, a, from an industry standpoint, but from, from Shaw's standpoint. Um, but before we get into that, just to sort of help set the scene, and I imagine most people here have heard of Shaw, and they may or may not know it, but they have all touched your product, used your product today. But maybe you could just give us a, a, a little bit of background on, on Shore and the, the business. Yeah, it's great to be here, David. Great to uh, be with Everstring. Great to be with FreightWaves and many of our partners and, and customers uh, here this week. Hopefully, if you came north on 75, you, sh- you saw some of our distribution centers. You've seen uh, many of our trucks. Uh, but I may be the only one looking down because uh, we manufacture and sell flooring. Um, both commercial and residential, and we have a growing uh, turf business for sports turf, um, ceramic business, and you may know us mostly for our 53-year history in carpet, but in the last couple decades, as consumer preferences have changed and we've moved to meet the needs of our consumers and our customers, uh, we've had a large uh, increase in hard surfaces, hard surface flooring, uh, luxury vinyl tile to be specific, and we are a large importer of, uh, of, of that product, which has created a lot of risk for us. Yeah. And, and, and if, you didn't, if you did drive north from Atlanta and you, you didn't see the shore facility, you probably shouldn't be driving. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty big. Right. So, so you, talk, you talk about that sort of strategic pivot that Shaw has made. Um, and may, maybe to help with a bit of context as we talk about the self-healing supply chain, what, what, what are a few of the things that Shore has, has been faced with in the last few years, lessons that have come out of that, that helps us think about the, the why around a self-healing supply chain? Yeah, especially with the uh, imports and, and, and we've all been through the challenges of uh, the pandemic and demand spiking and, and ocean freight challenges and COVID lockdowns and it's it's really impacted our business. If if hopefully you've remodeled your house in some way or fashion over the last couple of years, and there's a lot of demand for our business. So, uh, you know, we are looking at the signals that we need, the signals for uh, disruptions, how we can see around the corner, how we can um, get ahead of what disruption disruption may be next. We we believe that disruption's here to stay, and it's really what's the next one, and how do we um, get around that? Right. It's uh, certainly been an interesting few years, and yeah. as you say, it's uh, disruption is here to stay. It may 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 not be a war or a pandemic, um, but it'll it'll be something. Um, and as many of you know, COP twenty seven is happening next week, so there's a lot of discussion around climate change and the impact that's having on supply chains. But that's that is one of many many things that that, that we know we know are coming. So so let's talk about self healing supply chains. So I guess the first question is. It sounds a bit like a buzzword, sort of thing right. you might put on the title of a FreightWaves uh, uh, fireside chat. But in, in, in your mind, in your words, what, what is a health self-healing supply chain? Yeah, it really, it really is. And there's a lot of conversation this week about the physical and the digital, and there's even a financial supply chain. This is about the digital. This is about uh, automating what we can automate. So that we can, uh, the supply chain can self-adjust to delays, disruptions, um, and and do that work for us, so that our human capital um, is not chasing containers or chasing freight, but uh, they're really 
uh, doing what they're designed to do from an intellectual capital. Right. Yeah. You mentioned human capital, and I'm pleased that you did. Um, I think two things there. One is I like the word healing because it, it, it sort of brings out the metaphor of the, the human body that is, you know, miraculous in, in the way that the human body can self-heal. But at the same time, you do still need to go to the doctor from time to time. And in, anything that you can do in advance, we're hearing about vaccines just now, anything like that that you can do in advance to get ahead of uh, any, any illness uh, is all, all, all three are necessary. And the, the human element of supply chains, I think, is an important part of this discussion. So maybe, maybe that's something that we'll come back to uh, later on. So picking, picking apart the, the topic, and so that's the idea of a self-healing supply chain, somewhat sort of you know, does what it says on the tin, but what are the components? How, you know, what, what needs to be in place for a self-healing supply chain to exist or at least exist in part? Yeah, it's, we, we really look at it really in two dimensions. One is around analytics, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Then this risk scoring is, is one element. Uh, when it comes to analytics, we're all familiar with descriptive analytics that describe the past, with diagnostic analytics that describe the performance of the past, and with predictive analytics that describe uh, the future scenario. And what we're really talking about is prescriptive analytics, where uh, the tools that we have help us make decisions and make recommendations and uh, adjust to the disruption. We, we like to say that the body blows are coming. How do we avoid the body blow or stand back up faster than our competition? And then the second one is around scoring and risk scoring. And, and the way we, the language we use internally at Shaw is about uh, where's the level of the flag in this risk? Is it medium, medium high? And then how do we walk through that together? And I suppose that the you're talking about, on one hand, prescriptive analytics, the ability for as much as possible machines to be prescribing decisions that might be taken either by humans or, again, by machines uh, from a sort of physical autonomy standpoint. And then this idea of of of, of risk analytics, of, of risk right. scoring, and as much as possible for that to be predictive so you can get ahead of things, but if not, at least to be able to sort of sense disruptions in, in real time. And I suppose you have to bring those two things together somehow. And we've heard a lot this week about the, the fragmentation of different supply chain systems at different places in supply chains, different echelons, different providers. How, how are you thinking about that and, and making progress towards the idea of risk insights being embedded in your decision-making processes? Yeah, at, at, at Shaw, we, um, we really, we've mapped our supply chain, we've mapped our suppliers, we've mapped our critical ports, we've mapped our ocean lanes and our land lanes, and we are, um, uh, if we can gain an hour, gain an uh, extra day, gain an extra week, an extra month before the impact of a disruption and, uh, and walk through that. And we're live with that today. And we're, we have a meeting, I had a meeting Monday talking about uh, the risk and where the level of the flags are and the impacts. And so we're well on our way in that journey. Um, so David, I know you work with a lot of customers in this space doing similar things. What are you seeing uh, with your other customers? I thought I was asking the questions. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> so there's, well, 
uh, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of use cases around uh, predictive and prescriptive analytics and how risk analytics are, are being used and, in, and embedded into those decision making processes. Um, I'll I'll choose a couple that I think are more sort of logistics focused, given the the, the theme this week. So one I think is a good example of prescriptive that has become autonomous, and it, and in this case, and I think the simpler that the decision is, the, the faster you can get to this idea of the sort of autonomous decision making. So in this case, the risk we're thinking about is temperature risk. In you know, in this particular use case, it's mayonnaise that's being uh, that's being shipped, and the shipper wants to use refrigeration when necessary to avoid losing a load that that should be refrigerated. Uh, but what we found with this is that the the analytic is able to weeks in advance determine whether or not that load needs refrigeration or dry van or blanket, uh, and and it's become accurate enough to essentially automate that decision. Mm. As I said, it's a relatively simple decision, and it's a, it's a single risk in this case, temperature, although it does relate to on time. The other use case is, is to do with on-time arrival risk. In that case, there's 60-plus variables, and the model, the machine learning models have got better and better and better over the years and is using historical data, but also predictive risk insights and combining them to say, based on this plan, the risk of this shipment being outside the delivery. We talk a lot about this predictive ETA. Right. So that exactly in that case, the risk score that's being presented for each shipment can then be converted into a risk adjusted ETA. Right. And, And whether or not you can actually change the outcome, at least you can in advance communicate that downstream so that actions can be taken downstream so we're seeing we're seeing more and more of that once the analytic is built uh it's relatively easy to adapt that to different companies and and different different lanes that's great and i think can i i'll go back to austin yeah yeah, it's your turn (laughs) so in in terms of shore's progress i mean you've we work with a lot of companies and I, i would say that shore is ahead of most in terms of your your upstream visibility your ability to kind of look at the po way back up into into the supply chain and and to really to to have some certainty around that customer promise so maybe you can talk a little bit about that and in terms yeah it's it's you know we are laser focused on putting the customer at the center of everything we do Um, and everyone in this room knows about the lead time disruptions and the uh, promise dates with our customers and so uh, it it does as we are exposed more not just to our tier one but our tier two, tier three, tier four supply chain? How do we make sure that we have all that capability so that we can um, do what we say we're going to do with our customers? That's that's a big part. Right. And I was at the, uh, this is hard for a UGA grad to say, especially this week, but I was at UTK <laughs> last week at their supply chain forum. And I had the question that I took to uh, uh, that group of CPOs of where are we in this space and and where are you? And it it is very clear to me that people are on the journey to self-healing supply chains, people at very different levels of the self-healing supply chain. But um, we're going to need better data quality. We're going to need what I would call a commitment to collaboration and connectedness across the supply chain uh, to be able to improve that over the next couple of years. Yeah. And so the, I mean, you, you, you think forward a year, two years, maybe even, maybe even five years, 
do you do you see a point at which this really does become autonomous and self-healing or you know up to what point does that yeah, yeah. Get? i mean obviously um it, we don't want to automate everything we want right. to, we automate what we need to automate um so that the human human element can uh, then have the freedom to do what it's designed to do what we're designed to do for that uh, intelligence so I think there was a, a, a quote by Elon Musk, and I know we're probably all, all tired of hearing about Elon Musk, but he said he automated too much at Tesla, right. and he underrated the value of humans. And so there's, there's a balance there. But these next couple of years, I think, are going to be really important. There's more excitement at Shaw about our position to meet the needs of our customers than ever before, and this is a big part of it. Right. I mean, it's a good – I mean, that sort of – where does the machine stop and the human start? Or where does the you know where does the human stop, machine start, and then the human takes back over again? I, I guess that's going to vary from company to company, from use case to, to to use case. But it does seem that every every company we speak to, they're very focused on finding essentially more valuable things for the humans to be doing. So they're not calling to find out where a container is. That's right. As you said earlier that they are really spending more time with their clients That's or right. with their suppliers. And we've heard a lot in the last couple of years about the importance of the relationship that a company has with its suppliers. That feels like a, a human endeavor just as much as interfacing with, with, with the customer. And maybe, maybe, this is a, maybe this is an appropriate sort of last thing to talk about because you know, it's tempting to talk about predictive analytics and automation, but the human element of of the supply chain, and I, I, I've heard you and Kevin talking about this from a sure standpoint, and I, I love the stories you tell. So maybe just finish us off with something that underlines why the human is so important, and why the human will be even more important as we build more autonomy into our supply chains. Yeah, we we love talking about the relationships we have with our suppliers and with our customers. We talk about supplier experience. We talk about customer experience. And probably one of the best stories we like to tell is the relationship our truck drivers have with our customers. And in a lot of situations, uh, the truck drivers have the key to the uh, warehouse of our customers. And they're the, they have that trusted relationship to open up in the morning to drop off product, turn the coffee pot on so it's ready <laughs> when the staff comes in. And, and we just had trucker appreciation, what, a few weeks ago. And we have a large private fleet for that last mile delivery, and the relationship is what will drive this forward. And we're so excited about that story. And I love the I love all the LinkedIn posts where you guys are doing selfies with the drivers right. and the and, and and the clients. So if you can own own your last own last mile, that's, that's a right. that's a valuable thing. Absolutely. Well, with, with, with that, uh, thank you very much, Lance. Fascinating discussion. Could go on for another two hours, but. We're out of time. We're out of time. That's right. But thank you very much. Fascinating. And yeah. thank you all thank very you, much. Thank you, David. Thank you.